Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lobeck. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. Matthew twenty-four fifteen. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Probably in every age, Satan has had a man in the wings, ready to spring upon the world at the right time. This one will be a representative of Satan. Satan who sets himself up as God, as God had set up Adam to be his representative, to be the dominion ruler. Satan also counterfeits that plan by setting up his own man, which we deem to be, which we identify as the Antichrist. When the historical climate becomes right, Satan will release this man. Even to Satan, he doesn't know when the time is going to be right. So he has to be ready. He will never know when the day will come, when the time will be right to move this one that he has in the wings forward in his attempt to take possession of this world. This is the sixth day of the week in God's created order. The ninth day of the second month of the year, 2024th year of our Lord. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit that guides us in our understanding of Scripture. Give us ears of a disciple, hearts of a disciple. Give us a hunger to search these things out, to to be interested in them, to pursue them, to come to understand these things, to... Uh, the, the Bible was written not to be not for to be left in obscurity, but for us to understand it. And thank you for the Spirit that guides us in understanding. So open our hearts to the things that we're about to study this morning. And these things we pray in Christ's name, Amen. Exciting stuff that we are going over, and it's something that you can go over and over again. And and I. I um, I will encourage you to do just that, to have your questions, to look at it, to scratch your head, not to be so... Doctrine and theology is not so much that we get tied into um, a, a doctrinal or a theological stronghold but that, and, and be satisfied with the answers that we've... That, that we've come to know, but to continue to go over these things and to work these things out. Tim, I know you've worked hard. You and Steve worked hard on on going over these things, and there's still so much that uh, I can't wait for when we get together in the spring that uh, to to spend that time together and and sit there and 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 work on these things and and talk about these things. And the setting's going to be so so great. So I look forward to that. And and uh, we have questions for one another, I'm sure. And so, and our and it's not to for any of us to debate. Well, it's this. Well, it's this. It's there. This. We do bring the debates to the table, 
but not in the efforts to be right, but in the efforts to work these things out to get a clarity and a understanding of what Jesus is talking about here. I'm excited about the things that I'm learning. I hope you are. And I hope that you're digging into scriptures to to learn. And I'm learning things every day on it. And this this passage I was actually worried with of of coming into and I'm I'm so encouraged with with the things that I'm learning. So, um, Jesus is speaking specifically, I haven't, I haven't mentioned this, but Jesus is speaking specifically not to all of his disciples. Jesus had many disciples. He has a core of disciples, 12 disciples, but he has the core of the core. And the, the, he's speaking specifically with four. Three of these were the ones who accompanied him on, onto the Mount of Transfiguration. And we find that in Mark three, three through uh, Mark three, Mark thirteen three, as you were, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite of the Temple, Peter, and James and John, those are the three that uh, accompanied him on the Mount Transfiguration, and Andrew, Andrew is the brother of Peter, were questioning him privately. Notice that Peter, James, and John were the three that is mentioned first in this narrative. Then Andrew, the brother of Peter, is mentioned. Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled. And Jesus began, remember Jesus began his narrative with talking about the destruction of the temple. And that's going to be a short-term prophecy. Let me walk something back. And when I said that there's no prophecy in the church age, well, the destruction of the temple was prophetical. It's something that Jesus did say would happen, and it did happen in A.D. 70. And it was a short-term prophecy, and every stone was torn down, uh, none laid upon itself, as Jesus said. And that prophecy came completely true. And it was as, as we find prophecy throughout the Scripture uh, that often you see a short-term prophecy, and then there's a long-term prophecy. So the short-term prophecies, when you're looking at this, they say, well, what what is the sign of these things? And um, for the destruction of the temple, apart, I don't know if there were signs related to the destruction of the temple itself, but later on, when we're talking about the signs of Daniel, or the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, in the desecration of the temple to come, this is what is in focus. So, and here Jesus is answering a question. What is the sign of these things and what is the sign of the coming? Let's, let's take back. We're, we're talking this morning, we're continuing our, our talk on about the Antichrist and who is who and what is an Antichrist and what is he doing? What is his career? We mentioned yesterday the fact that that Satan is a counterfeit, that he has a counterfeit plan to God, and that he sets himself up as God. And though we may say that he's not smart enough to come up with his own plan, which that was my mindset in the past, but I have to say it's a good strategy because in this way, 
people know just enough of the Bible to make them dangerous. Enough to make them deceived. So that when the when the counterfeit comes, he can build on the little that people know about the Bible and then present and move his plan forward and they thinking, Wow, this must be this must be biblical. This must be from God. So here's the counterfeit plan. Now let's start with the plan of God. What was God's plan on creating man? And on the sixth day, God creates man. And he sets him up as a dominion ruler, as one that's going to rule uh, on his behalf. Uh, let's just say, uh, he. let me see, it's also, he's also been called, I don't know if I can say it that way, but he is the administ—he is the theocratic administrator. He is the one set in place to carry out God's rule on this earth. I think that's a better way to say it. So in Genesis 1:26, then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over the creeping uh, things that creep on this earth." God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every creeping thing that moves on the earth. So it, it's evident that what God did was he took man, he set, he set him over as a dominion rule, that man was to rule over this earth. But at the same time, God doesn't create an independent agency that, uh, that man was to bow a knee before God, that he is still sovereign or that he is still subordinate under the sovereignty of God. He, man was still accountable to God to remain within the boundaries that God set before him. And you can go on and read what happened there. But in short, man fell. Man failed to do what God had established him to do because man sinned. And he stepped outside of the boundaries. God, man became a lawbreaker. And Satan steps in to fulfill to the void, to fill the void that man left as a dominion ruler. Now Satan, today, to this day, is the ruler of this dark world. But from the very beginning, what God had determined from the beginning, He intends to bring to its culmination, to bring to its fullness, to bring to its completion. And that plan, you see, look at it this way. When Satan finally goes into, uh, is cast into the lake of fire. When, he's finally, when he finally goes there and God is sovereign and God is powerful and he can do it. Even, even if, even in the end, regardless of whether God fails or don't, and we know he, he will not fail, but Satan can be cast into the fire and he can brag that he disrupted God's plan and God got mad and he sent him to hell. End of story. But 
when Satan goes to hell, when Satan goes to the lake of fire, when he is when the eternal condemnation, he will not be able to brag on one accomplish that one thing that he was able to overturn the plan of God. And uh, so, but Satan at this point, so God is seeking. Uh, what God's plan was to do with the first Adam. There's going to be other Adams. Jesus Christ is the last Adam. He is the one who is the antitype to the type which is Adam. He's going to be born as Adam was created, perfect. And he is... He is looking forward to his reign, to reign over this earth as Adam as Adam had failed, Jesus will succeed. And so Jesus is that last Adam. He in his hypostatic union, he is humanity. And scripture calls him and Paul says that he is the last Adam who will rule and who will accomplish everything that the first Adam was supposed to do, but failed, but he will succeed, bringing the plan of God to its fullness. And Satan will, again, Satan will be cast into a lake of fire with nothing to brag about. Now, at this time, Satan looked from, not, not only at this time, but throughout history, Satan looks to accomplish the same thing. He sets himself up as the God of this world. And so he does, he is looking to do the same thing. It was started when in Genesis chapter ten, where there was Nimrod. Nimrod's name means rebellion, and we we find his empire, which is Babel, in Genesis chapter eleven, and his his regime. It says that Nimrod was a mighty warrior against God. It said before God, but it's actually against God. That's the wording. And so it was that this that Satan this was the first attempt for Satan to set up his man. To bring his man out of the shadows, bring him up. Nimrod was a a builder of nations. And so it looked good for him. It looked like this was going to happen. But throughout history, and I would say that in every age that Satan has a man in the wings ready to bring to the forefront. After Daniel, there was another. And this one was by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes the fourth, uh, And he was over the Seleucid Empire. He ruled after he ruled after Alexander the Great. And he ruled over the Seleucid Empire from 175 B.C. until his death in 164 B.C. This one was also a Satan's man. And as Satan speaks of the abomination, as we're going to get ready to speak of the abomination of desolation, as he speaks to his disciples about this, this imagery is laid within their minds. See, every year the Jewish people in the time of the disciples 
celebrated the Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights. And it brought their memory back to a time when, during the Maccabean Wars, where the where there was a war that rose up against Antiochus, against that empire, by a small band of rebels. And what had happened? Let's let's go with this. What had happened? Now this this Antiochus was a picture of the Antichrist, certainly God's man. And when he took power, he would. A great uh, the uh, the Antichrist always all the Antichrist after the the establishment of of Israel they great anti-Semitics and he set his heart against destroying the Jews not just destroying them but making their lives miserable first of all he he went through he set out laws and that they would not. Any removing all the rituals, removing all the all the practices of the Jews. To circumcise your child would be a death sentence. To celebrate the Sabbath would be a death sentence. To celebrate any of the holy days would be a death sentence. If, if at any time you even expressed your Jewishness, you were done. You died. And they would set up throughout the region. They would set up the and all the synagogues and or in all the places of worship. They would set up statues, and they would they, the priests were forced to to sacrifice pigs to the to the pagan gods until it finally came to the temple. And one of Antiochus's Generals were forcing the priest to sacrifice. And they set up a statue, an abomination within the temple, and the priest was to to slaughter a pig to the pagan gods. Well, here comes a man who runs a sword through the priest who's getting ready to sacrifice and through Antiochus general. And then this family, the Maccabeans, they ran to the hills. And there they formed up a rebellion against the, the Seleucid Empire, against Antiochus and his men, and they overcame. And the Feast of Hanukkah, when, or the Feast of Hanukkah was dedication. It was to rededicate, rededicate the temple that was, uh, the, that was desecrated. And the lighting of candles and doing all their ritual, getting that back up, and there was a miracle behind that. But there's there's more to teach on that. That that's just a brief. So it was, and it's just another example of Satan's of Satan's man. And say Satan probably thought this is it. This is this is how I'm going to advance my. This is the man, but. Each time, these are, as we mentioned earlier in our lessons, these are historical trends. And a historical trend, or what else can we call them? Historical trends or patterns in history that will go so far and then, and then they would stop. 
there would be the restrainer there. Whatever does the restraining, whether it's the Holy Spirit, whether it's God, or whether it's Michael the angel, whatever does the restraining, where that historical trend looks like this is it, that this is the Antichrist, it stops. And history continues on. But there's coming a time, and there, well, let's talk about AD 70. AD 70, Roman general uh, Titus, uh, Titus, not Titus, Titus, comes in and he just, and the siege of Jerusalem, under that general, he destroys, he levels the temple and everything in it. And to this day, there are those that argue, saying, prophecy has already been fulfilled in A.D. 70 with the destruction of the temple and the dispersion of the people. But my friends, if you actually read the narrative, if you read, if you look at the history of what happened there, and you look at what Jesus is talking about, it's obvious. Yes, the temple has been torn down just as Jesus said it would be. But where is his coming? Where is the other things related to the signs that Jesus lays out here? So AD 70 cannot be the fulfillment of Scripture. You see, if, if Scripture is fulfilled by the, as the amillennialist, that amillennialist, I'm having a hard time saying it, the amillennialist says that there is no millennium. If there's no millennium, they're not, we're not looking for the return of Christ. But we are um, pre-millennialists. We are looking for the return of Christ to set up His His um, His rule, His and to begin His. He's the Son of David to set up His rule, not only for the thousand-year millennium, but but His forever rule. So let's come on back to Scripture, Matthew twenty-four twenty-four. We set that up. Matthew twenty four twenty four for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. And the clincher will be when this beloved world leader. You see, first of all, this leader comes in and he he will. Aspire people by their signs and wonders. Again, there will be those that are will be fooled and there will be those that will look to Him. This guy will bring down, will defeat the enemies of the people. He will ease the burdens of the famines and the wars that are going on. He will be hailed as, a, as the Prince of Peace, but He's not. Again, peace, peace, where there is no peace. But the clincher is when their beloved leader, when the world's beloved leader is killed. Revelation 13.3 I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed and the whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. So at the height of his popularity you have to say woe. At that point, you have to say woe to anyone that will stand opposed. Anyone that would say anything against this world leader. And anyone that the leader, anyone that this world leader says, this beloved world leader says is, is the enemy and, 
and points out those who oppose him, there's going to all hell's going to break loose. And so the Jews are going to be the ones that are going to stand as a people who will stand against the Antichrist. And at this point, and if, if not before, it's definitely going to be at that point of the abomination desolation, they're going to recognize who this man is for sure. Matthew twenty four seventeen. Whoever is on the housetop, this is at the point of the um, abomination. Let me say, let me first. I tell you what. Let's let's back up here. I do want to do this. Let's define this. Let's go back to fifteen with me. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, an abomination here is um let's see if I can bring it down here. Alright. Bring it over. There we go. Okay. Bedel Ugma. Bedel Umag. And it does mean abomination, a foul thing, a distasteful thing, of idols and things pertaining to idolatry. And first of all, the world will, we see that there, there are those world leaders who rise up and it seems like power, power does its complete corruption. Uh, and they will rise up to power. They think they did it. They think that, or they, they, they're busy patting themselves on the back and they stand toe-to-toe, eyeball-to-eyeball, toe-to-toe with God. It's like the Pharaoh back in Exodus. It said, who is this God that I should obey his voice? I'm not going to obey his voice. Neither shall I let Israel go. And we can almost say that Pharaoh was a, a picture of the Antichrist in here. But there are leaders, even include the one that we have now, the President of the United States, and the laws that are passed by our government officials that seem to thumb their nose at God, almost daring God to do anything. And God is, He is patient, He's waiting, and while they build an indictment against themselves. And so finally, the abomination desolation is just like Antiochus did when he set up an idol, when he set up an idol within the temple and forced the, forced the priest to sacrifice to the pagan gods. Going into the temple is as close to God as you can get and to defile Him. At that point will be the, the this is the right in the middle of the tribulation. And at that point, this is what Jesus said, here is the warning. That's what is to be looked for. That Not the wars, not the Rumor wars which happened throughout all of history. These people have gone through so much pains, so much suffering, uh, both Jews, uh, not just on Jews, but Christians, throughout all of history. But when this time comes, it is a warning specifically to the Israelites to head for the hills because it, it is the full desperation. Okay, come on. 
at Satan's desperation. Let's go back to Matthew 2017. 24:17. At this point, look at the urgency of this. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. And woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or, look at this, or on the Sabbath. Is he talking to all the Gentiles? No, he's not. He's not talking to Gentiles. He's talking to the Jewish believers. He's talking to them because they're the ones who observe the Sabbath. Okay? For then there will be a great tribulation. The great tribulation is marked as the last three and a half years of that seven year span. Such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Again, the things that the Christians and Jews had to go through throughout all of history. And uh, the torture that they've had to go through. They've been boiled. Their limbs have been severed off. Tongues have been cut out. They've been roasted in, in metal bulls. They've Every conceived torture that you can think of. They've been torn apart limb by limb, uh, watching their own children and their family members being torn by wild beasts. Again, you name it. But then, what does the Lord say here? Whoever's uh, going back, whoever's in the field must turn back. So, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, these, those days will be cut short. And let's see, let me look at that. Um, the cut will be cut short. That is future. That is a future... Uh, future prophecy that's going to take place that these that these things when all hell on earth will be broke loose Satan will be kicked out of heaven along with his angels to rage war upon this earth his final desperation is to wipe out all the uh, wipe out all the Jews when when they flee when they flee into the wilderness and they flee into the mountains where there will be divine protection that Satan will turn his efforts to the uh, to the tribulational saints. For what purpose? So to make sure there is no that there are no remnants, no remnant, no believers, none that can go in to start the millennial reign. See, all of this is a precursor to the Son of David coming back and is setting up his reign. His his future forever reign. You see, Jesus is not sitting on His throne. As of today, He's not sitting on His throne. He is sitting on His Father's throne. And there's coming a day when His Father says, Go, and He will establish His rule. That's going to be the great and terrible day of the Lord. Because, And this goes back to Psalm. When He says that, um, 
Weeping may endure, that weeping endures for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. The great and terrible day will come as a precursor to the setting up of the glorious reign of Christ on this earth. And that millennial reign, that 1,000 years, is just a front porch. That that limited that rule of Adam over the earth at that point, and later on to go into eternity, where and rule over the new heavens and new earth. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping your word this morning. We ask Heavenly Father, God the Holy Spirit, will open our hearts and continue to open it. Give us a give us the hearts of disciples that we may continue to look into your word to investigate it, to ask the questions, even to debate upon it, but not in the form of winning arguments, but to getting down to the truth and understanding the truth of your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. And we praise you for it. And these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we have our communion service coming up on this Lord's Day. I hope that you are with us. Looks like we will be... I think it's a good place uh, that we come to for communion service. We will be talking about the New Covenant, I believe, coming up on this Lord's Day and uh, Hebrews chapter 8. So I hope that you're with us. And until then, stay motivated. Lord, keep your armor on. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Lord will and Spirit guide, rapture pinning. We'll be back here 1100 a.m. Saturday morning. Thank you for joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.